Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Olson. It's a blessing and a joy to be with you today and share God's Word with you. Here at our church, we believe that every single time we open up the Word of God, that something miraculous takes place. You see, this isn't like any other book you'd find on your shelf, but we believe that this is the true, inspired, and errant Word of God from cover to cover. And so because of those convictions, we come with an expectancy today. An expectancy to come and put ourselves under the authority of God's Word, to trust in His work in our lives, and that we would follow more and more closely in our walk after Jesus. Would you pray with me as we come to God's Word? Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you today. We ask, Lord, that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word and that you would do a work in our hearts as you promised to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Has there ever been a time when you have doubted God? A time that you have questioned about what you believe? Wondered if you had really been following after him with sincerity, wondering if what you had been told was true. I think about the Christmas season, and that's one of my annual reminders of these kind of questions. Um, I grew up with a friend who regularly was indoctrinated with Santa Claus and had been told about Santa Claus from his young youth. And then all of a sudden it became revealed that these stories were not, in fact, actuality, but more mythology and legend. And my friend had a doubting moment in his life when he realized that it was all a farce. You see, he had been told something by those that he cared for and trusted, and then when it was exposed that that was not actually true, he began to question a lot of different things in his life. He had been told all along that Santa came down the chimney, ho, 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 bringing presents in tow, and, uh, and then it was exposed that all of that was just a story. What about the Christmas story of Jesus? What about the babe in Bethlehem lying in a manger with shepherds and wise men and frankincense and myrrh and gold? Is it just another myth among many? Many of you have heard the story of Jesus' birth perhaps countless times. Is it true? Is it just a legend or a far-fetched tale? Today we're in Luke chapter 7. As we think about these kinds of questions, uh, Jesus has been ministering and many people had believed. Just to give you a little bit of a backdrop on the chapter, we see that Jesus had interacted with a, a centurion whose servant was very sick. And he calls to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm not worthy to have you come under my house, but just say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. And we see a man who, Jesus says, just expounds just this glorious faith, a faith not seen anywhere else in Israel. We see also in Luke chapter 7, Jesus bringing a widow's son back to life. And all of the people, as they're witnessing this, recognize Surely God has visited his people. Verse 16. And I could preach on those passages and we could see great illustrations of faith today. People who trusted in Jesus. People who put confidence in who he was and what he had done. But that's not what we're going to be focusing on today as we get into God's word. Instead, I want to look at a very peculiar passage about a story of great doubt 
a story of great doubt. Now, a lot of times, this is a passage that gets overlooked. You know, we hear the stories of faith. We hear about people who you know, just exhibit this trust in the Lord. But what about someone who had been trusting the Lord, who now is going through a season of doubt and questioning about what they believe? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 18. We're looking at John the Baptizer. It says in verse 18, the disciples of John reported all of these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Is this really the Messiah? Are you the one? And that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. This is kind of an interesting passage because of the one who is asking the question. Just to remind you about John the baptizer here, he is one who had given his life for Jesus in a very literal sense. He, he was the one who was the voice in the wilderness that we've heard about in prior chapters proclaiming, prepare the way of the Lord. Or telling those who would see Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was telling people that he baptized them with water, but that the one who came after him would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And finally, John ends up in prison, likely to be executed. And as he is contemplating his situation, he begins to have some questions about what he's been following, about who this Jesus fellow really is. He had been telling people that Jesus was the Messiah and, and the one who would bring a perfect reunion to their relationship with God. But now we see in these verses, verses 18 through 23, that he sends his followers to Jesus to ask if Jesus is really the Messiah. And maybe you read that and you do a double take. You're going, what? What's up, John? How in the world could you just flip-flop like this? Now, is this really the same John who we read about earlier who was saying all these type of things? You know, preparing the way of the Lord? Is this the same person? How could he have these kinds of doubts and questions? How, how could he really wonder in his heart if this is the one who was to come? His whole ministry had been that. Don't you believe this, John? Isn't this something that you hold to? I mean, you've been telling people day after day, month after month, year after year about this Jesus. Don't you believe this? And friends, sometimes what we see is that the circumstances of this broken world cause us to do a double take. When we are in the midst of suffering and hardships, sometimes we feel beat down and bruised. We wonder to ourselves, what am I doing? Is any of this real? We tend to be very introspective and questions flood our minds. We wonder if we've been forgotten 
we wonder what the plan or purpose of this all is. We see that John definitely has some questions. He's had a lot of time for it. He's been in, in jail, waiting an execution. We see that he is wondering about who Jesus really is. And oftentimes in the church, we look down on this type of thing. We look down on those who have questions. We look down on those who have doubts. And we criticize them. You, you are just not living by faith. You, you, what are you doing? You know, are you really uh, putting all of that which you've lived in into question? And I want to reframe that a little bit for us today. Uh, I want to help us to consider doubts and questions in a little bit different light. And I'm going to start by this premise that doubts don't equal unbelief. Doubts don't equal unbelief. And that questions are not insignificant. And, and questions don't reflect a heart that is not trusting in God or has abandoned Him. In fact, maybe just the opposite. Some of the ones who are closest to the Lord often struggle with questions and doubts sometimes. My favorite one of those being David in the Psalms. There's just so many Psalms where David's pouring out his heart to the Lord. One of them, Psalm 13, where David, as he's praying, just says, How long, O Lord? Are you going to forget me forever? Don't you care? Don't you see what's going on? And, and maybe, just like John the Baptist here, it would be very similar to look at some of those other men in the Bible, or women who asked these questions or were filled with doubts and despair, and to question their sincerity or their genuineness in their faith. But I would like us to take a step back and just reconsider that a little bit more. That these kinds of things, these questions or these doubts, they're not um, symptomatic of unbelief, but of a faith that's really trying to make sense of life and, and to connect faith with life in the world. And maybe probably one of the most dangerous things would be that doubts or questions are so spoken against that they're they're left unresolved. You know, we don't ask those kind of questions in church. We don't have those kind of conversations here. Just sweep it under the rug. Forget about it. And I would say that that's probably actually one of the most dangerous things we can do. Because if unresolved, questions and doubts can lead to unbelief. But if they're tackled and answered, they can lead to a greater faith. And so what I'd like to do as we look at these verses in Luke chapter 7 is just kind of walk into it with that premise and understanding of, of charity toward those who would ask questions and really search and seek and answer to things that they're wrestling through. And looking at Luke chapter 7 here, there's a few things to note about this passage. The first is, is that as John is wrestling with these questions and doubts, he brings his doubts to Jesus. We see that he brings his doubts to Jesus. He takes the, the followers that he had with him. He sends them to the Lord, verse 19, and brings that question of if he was the one who was to come or if they needed to look for another. And friends, there are a lot of places where we can take our doubts, a lot of places where we can take our worries, our fears, our questions. But I would invite you to press into the Lord with those things. To, to draw close to him for an answer, for guidance, for wisdom. It says in the book of James that if anyone lacks wisdom, we can ask God who gives generously to all. It's a promise. And so 
with the promise of God, we can go forward in faith and confidence bringing these things before Him. Bringing them to the One who loves you, who cares about you, who desires for your faith to grow and to be strengthened. And sometimes I see Christians kind of shrink back from that. They're afraid of raising questions. And I often find that very ironic. I think to myself, why would that be? Why would you be afraid of raising a question? Do you think that it may be found that what you believe is not true? Are you thinking you're going to pop the balloon and it's going to explode and there's going to be some you know, man behind the curtain? Friends, if your faith and trust is that whimsical, what are you really believing in? Well, hopefully, this has stood the test of time for thousands of years. I'm confident in the authority of the Word of God and its, its trustworthiness more than just a couple questions to take it down. Uh, somebody who has always really modeled this well for me that I've appreciated is my dad. Uh, he's always just exhibited a posture of when I have had questions, theological, practical questions about faith, his response has always been, let's look into it. You know, I know there are answers out there. He'll be the first to admit he may not have all the answers, but he knows that they're there. He knows that there's people who have thought through different things, books that have been written. Let's go look and find an answer. There's a recognition that's there when someone is asking a question, that they're searching for truth. They're searching for an answer. And friends, we can with confidence stand on the Word of God, which is the truth. That when the questions come or or assail us, we don't need to be afraid. But instead, like John, we can bring our doubts to Jesus. The second thing to note about this text is that Jesus doesn't criticize John for his doubts. And I think that's really significant. Jesus doesn't send back a message and saying, Whoa, John, what in the world are you doing? You're just a big dummy. You're a loser. Why are you questioning this? I thought we were on the same page here. No, he doesn't do that. Instead, verse 22, he answers them and and says, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And, And friends in the church, my encouragement for you is that when you hear people asking questions or maybe raising some doubts about the things that they believe, that maybe we could do a better job reflecting the heart of Jesus here. We don't have to be so defensive and put up big walls or somehow be afraid. The Bible has, has stood the test of time. We don't necessarily have to be afraid that the answers are not going to be there. And I think what happens sometimes is that when we hear those kind of questions, Maybe they put a question in our mind and we don't have the answer for them and so it makes us scared. But we don't have to have the answers. We just have to be willing to go look with someone for the answers. And and that word with someone is really important. Being willing to go look with them. It's not all on you. If someone comes to ask you a question, it's an okay thing to embrace and say, hey, that's a great question. Let's go look into it together embracing those questions, they're going to help you also learn and and deepen your faith, growing alongside that person, and it's going to show a heart of humility to them, that you don't necessarily have everything all figured out in life, you're not just this perfect person who has an answer for everything, but that you're still growing and learning too. That's an okay thing. It, It may surprise some of you to hear this, but even myself as a pastor, I have questions sometimes that I don't know the answers to. 
I, I have things that I've doubted before or wondered about. God, why is this this way or why that? And, and, and it, those kind of things force me to go and figure out more, to learn, to grow. I've been doing my devotions recently through the book of Genesis and doing the journaling as I've been doing it. And it's been so interesting to just see, I, mean, I probably read through Genesis countless times and getting to some of those verses and having new questions that I've never thought about before. For example, do you know that there's one of the days of creation where at the end of it, God doesn't say anything about whether it was good or not? Yeah, I just always had a thought that after every single day of creation, you know, it was evening, there was morning, God says it was good, but there's one of the days that he doesn't say that. And as I was reading through my Bible, I got to that port and I was thinking, whoa, how have I missed this? You know, why is this the case? Why is it there? You know, those kind of things are good. They push us for, for answers. They help us dig into it more and find a reason for some of those things. And for, for you, church, as we model this same kind of attitude as Jesus does here, I would encourage you to don't be afraid. Don't criticize when you hear questions be brought up. Instead, go and bring comfort to the one asking questions. Walk alongside of them. Point them to something objective. And that's what Jesus does here. And that's the third thing to note about this text. That Jesus points John to something objective. He points John to the work of the Messiah. Verse 22. Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. Is Jesus coming to John and saying, John, if you're wondering if I'm the one who is to come, just look at the signs. Look at what's happening. People who are dead are being raised. The lepers are being cleansed. The blind can see. These are supernatural phenomena. These things don't just happen. You know, there may be doctors that have been alive in every century that have tried to alleviate pain or help, but bringing someone back from the dead... You know, cleansing leprosy, somebody who's been paralyzed, all of a sudden be able to walk again. These are supernatural things. And some of the people who are around Jesus recognize it, right? You have Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who says to Jesus, you know, we know that no one could do these things unless he was sent by God. Now, he recognized that there was something there. And that's what Jesus is pointing John to, these objective signs, the works of the Messiah. And even though John was in prison, maybe didn't feel the most convinced about who Jesus was in his circumstance, Jesus points to things that he could tangibly attest. These are people's lives who are being changed and who are being transformed. These are miraculous works. And we as a church can also point to those same things. Now, one of the greatest miracles that I see every day is people who have been changed and transformed by the power of God. A personal testimony is one of the greatest and strongest things for the work of the Messiah in our lives today. People whose lives have been transformed. But in addition to that, you know, we, we do see people who have miraculously been healed from things, who have had an encounter with the Lord and it's changed their lives. And sometimes I call those faith anchoring moments. Things that I can look back to in my life where God has been faithful, where he has walked me through something, guided me, provided for me, brought healing. And I go, God, thank you for just solidifying my faith. Uh, I'm looking at ways that you're working 
in our life. But bigger than that, and certainly more tangible, is looking back at the same thing that John's looking at, right? Now, I'm able to also look back through the historical and eyewitness accounts that Luke gathered up and provided, the research that he did. I'm able to take a good square look at Jesus of Nazareth and to assess, along with all of those who received the Gospels, what do I do with this man? What do I do with the one who came and did all of these works, all of these healings, all these signs, who spoke with authority, who did these miracles, and who was a good teacher, but more than that, who claimed to be God, and who died on the cross, and who was raised to life? Are these claims true? You know, we can look at those kind of things and examine the veracity of them, and look and see with the gospel writers as well, that these things historically attested to show us the objective work of the Messiah. As you think about all of these things that we've looked at in the text here, maybe you're here today and you have seen what Jesus has done in your life and in the lives of others. You've seen what it looks like to live by faith. And if that's you today, that's awesome. My encouragement for you is that you would just continue to follow after Jesus wholeheartedly and that you would be amazed by what he's done and that you would point other people to look at the same kind of things. Maybe you're here today and you feel like John the baptizer. Maybe you followed Jesus your whole life, but you've had questions, you've had doubts, concerns. And my encouragement with, with you today would be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the questions or the doubts or the concerns that you may have, but to bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Look for yourself at the Messiah, the Son of God, and look to see how he provides an answer for the questions that we have. And maybe you're here today and you know someone who has been wrestling with things. Maybe it's not you personally, but you know that there's someone in your life that maybe they've been really thinking through the things that they believe in. My encouragement would, would be for you to come alongside of them, to come alongside of them, to listen to them, to not criticize them or be harsh with them, but to be a friend, to hear them out, to see the, the needs that are there for answers, that their hearts are searching, and that you would be willing to maybe take some time to do some searching with them. Maybe it means reading some books, listening to some videos, but that you would see their life with an eternal perspective that maybe it means a 5, 10, 15, even 5-hour investment this side of eternity, but that you're a tool, an agent of God to help strengthen the faith and the lives of those around you. As we as a church strive for this, may God be faithful in our midst to do these things. May he be faithful to use our lives for his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to dig into your word. Pray that you would continue to use it in the lives of those who are listening as you promised to do. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's word for today. If you are impacted by the message you heard, please consider donating to the ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.